Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Collaborative Edge's Conversations to Inspire Initiatives Across Languages and Cultures. I'm Rocio Quispeñoli, the host of Collaborative Edge's, and for this edition, we have in the studio three scholars who work in the intersections of indigenous studies and photography by and about others. Jorge Coronado from Northwestern University, Erika Nimis from the University of Quebec in Montreal, and Laura Smith from Michigan State University. Hello and welcome, everyone. Hello. Hello. <laughs> um, Jorge, Erika, and uh, Laura are sharing their work on indigenous photographies of Mali, United States, and Peru as part of uh, our initiative, Picturing Others from Both Sides of the Lens, an interdisciplinary seminar on indigenous photography, self-portraits, preservation, and epistemic disobedience held at Michigan State University on April 2018. So let's start with a question, a very general question, about uh, studying photography. And why um, studying photography and why uh, indigenous native photographers of Mali, United States, and Peru? Jorge. I'm uh, glad to start on that. But first, thank mm -hmm. you so much for organizing this. It's been a pleasure to, um, to speak to, to everybody on these topics. So the reason... I started studying this. I'm a scholar of literature, and one of the things that was very apparent to me within the literary record was that there were very few um, representations of um, indigenous people done by indigenous people. Um, so my interest in photography um, was because, in fact, there are many um, in relationship to the literary record um, representations of indigenous people or subalterns, which is a, a tricky term, mm -hmm. I know, yeah. um, done by um, uh, people who could be identified as, as indigenous. Um, so I began to explore that um, as part of a, of a previous project, and that resulted in, in the current project that, that I presented today um, on uh, portraiture in the, in the Bolivian and Peruvian Andes. Right? Okay. Yeah. Laura, could you like to add to that? Uh, so I started with my interest in indigenous photography <clears throat> uh, because I was looking actually at a lot of representations of indigenous peoples by indigenous peoples, uh, but it was in the early 20th century, and most of those representations are paintings or sculptures, mm -hmm. um, and <clears throat> very much in dialogue with you know uh, non-Indian patrons and consumers. And um, I think that the photographs that I looked at by the photographer that my book is on, Horace Pula, really opened <clears throat> a window into uh, you know a, an indigenous life that I hadn't seen. Um, there, it, it wasn't <clears throat> isolated, and it wasn't just focused on uh, activities or um, uh, self-presentations that would be accessible to a non-Indian viewer or consumer, but it was like everyday uh, life. It was baseball games. It was funerals and weddings and uh, <clears throat> automobiles and airplanes, mm -hmm. and uh, so it really opened up, I think, uh, the stories and historical experience of that period that really isn't captured in a lot of uh, indigenous arts and paintings of the period. Mm -hmm. And Erica, uh, what can you tell us about Malian photographers? Yeah, 
for myself, I started uh, studying history of photography in Mali when I was a student in photography uh, 20 years, uh, 24 years ago. And uh, I was training in a school of photography. And uh, when I visited the library of this school, I didn't see any book uh, about mm. uh, uh, of pictures pictures, photographs taken by African photographers, especially exactly. Malian photographers. Yeah. So the same year I was discovering, I mean, I was uh, a student uh, in this school. There was a festival starting in Bamako, uh, Bamako Encounters. It's an international uh, festival of photography, and it was a way for me to know more about it, and it started, all the story started that way. I was a photographer, I mean, I was a student in photography and I wanted to know more about what, uh, come on, how the, the Malian or African societies, uh, societies are representing themselves through photography, especially. Mm -hmm. and, and Erica, is there anything uh, specific you notice on uh, the way Malian photographers uh, make photographs of uh, their others, yeah, African people or non-African people? Yes, uh, so... To, I can't generalize. I mm. just studied the history of photography in several countries in West Africa, but especially the portrait studio photography. So it's a very special way to represent people. It's a commercial uh, nego negotiation between people, but it's mm. a very local uh, way of taking pictures as it is uh, a personal uh, portrait photograph. Uh, it's an image uh, in can we say with personal image? Mm -hmm. And it's a very local perspective. I mean, for, for us, I mean, or for me as an historian of, photo, uh, of Africa, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. uh, I did this research uh, as an historian, mm -hmm. uh, it was a way to know more about the, the, um, I mean, the, the society and a way also to, to represent a visual history of Malian society because we, I think we are, research, as researcher, we work mostly uh, from maybe oral, uh, oral uh, sources or written sources, mm -hmm. but there are not, not so many uh, visual sources, especially for the contemporary period. So it is very necessary to know more about this local practice, as we say, vernacular photography, mm -hmm. uh, to know more and to to be able to represent uh, th these societies in the 20th, 19th, uh, uh, and mostly 20th century. Yeah, it's uh, especially from their own perspective, no? From their yeah, own yeah, yeah, yeah. eyes, that yeah, is yeah, yeah. what um, appeals, I think, all of us. And Jorge, can you uh, tell us about uh, Peruvian, Bolivian, Andean photographers, if you have found so far anything specific or the way they photograph their others? Well, I, mean, I don't... Probably what I would say is that um, I'm thinking along the lines that, that Erika is, um, is thinking because one of the things that I think is, is most important is the uniqueness of finding uh, images by which I mean records of individuals at mm -hmm. a particular historical moment, right? I think the historiography is very clear on large movements of migration of indigenous peoples to the capital, right? In, in, for example, in the Andes in the first and the second half of the 20th century. I think there's lots of records of um, the impact that land reform had on indigenous people as a large group, right? But I think when you want to go fine-grained, one of the things that photographs allow you is to look at individuals and kind of small-scale reactions to modernization, right? 
um, large-scale industrialization, and therefore what that meant, right, to um, to people in a very local scale, on a very small scale. And I think all of the photographers that I work with are involved in those sorts of of imaging because they were all, you know, small to medium-sized town photographers mm-hmm. who were working with um, lower-class subjects, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I definitely they were indigenous people, but I'm, I'm focusing a lot on, on class because that allows me to think more broadly outside of, you know, only racial categorizations. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, you know, in, in, in that case, it meant that you had quite a unique view onto, right, uh, window onto mm-hmm. this particular historical yeah. moment and these subjects within it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Laura, what about um, these in American Indian photography? Uh, well, once again, I, I don't think I would generalize in terms of yeah. a specific practice, but I guess some of the things I think about with um, <clears throat> Horace Pula and maybe the generation of people who, if they weren't professional photographers, they some of them had access to Kodak cameras, and so they were taking family photos. Uh, and there is, I think in my research, just a tremendous awareness even in this you know, late 19th century, early 20th century of people of Indigenous people is aware of the power of presence or the power of representation and challenging a lot of anti-Indian sentiment or negative stereotypes um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, wanting to, you know, put more powerful and affirming images out there. Um, something that is noticeable about Pula is he's not, you know, documenting, even though that we know that Indigenous peoples were very poor in this period, especially in Oklahoma in the 1930s, He's not documenting that poverty. Every, you know, mm-hmm. his, pe- his yeah. family members, they're all in their best clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not all in um, their important regalia or, or feather bonnets. I mean, it's suits. It's uh, <clears throat> the uh, dresses, the flapper dresses, uh, you know, really highly decked out. I mean, he, I think he was very aware, and his family talks about how they're putting out their very esteemed images of important people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that was, you know, uh, a concerted or uh, conscious effort to do so. Okay. Um, now let me let me ask you about <coughs> photography and archive, the the, the construction of, of uh, the photographic archive. And I would like to start with uh, Jorge, uh, whose latest book is is just out. And in the as we talk the. The last chapter of your book, uh, or the conclusion of your book, uh, talks precisely about this topic of archive. What are some findings you can share about the formation of the photographic archive and its impact on indigenous peoples? I think um, the the first thing I would say in a a really concrete way is that um, I I think one of the most important things about the scholarship that that we're doing, I mean, Mm -hmm. we, we as a group, is that it sheds light on the need for more um, archival collections and more mm-hmm. archival work. I think one of the most difficult things about working um, in the Andes is that you quickly notice just how much has been lost, right? Because you go to archives and you realize that there's very little left of it. It's been sold off, or in some cases, the family um, threw it away, right? Because photographers pass on and those images are no longer valuable. So that's the that's the negative side, right? The positive side is that um, I think in recent years. Um, uh, there are institutions like the Fototeca Andina in mm-hmm. Cusco um, that have been collecting and, and taking care of, of these sorts of materials. And there are other institutions more, more recently on the scene, like the Museo de Arte de Lima, right, 
um, where you have now not only photographic image collections, but also a dedicated space within the museum to showing and therefore valorizing um, these images for the for Peruvian society, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you you have similar things beginning in Bolivia, where I think it's not quite as developed, right? Um, but I think one of the important things is that archival archival work, right, and archives themselves need more funding to be able to do this sort of, of stuff, or else the, the the things get lost. Right? Yeah, yeah. When I'm I'm um, um, using the term archive, I'm thinking in several concepts uh, like uh, recording um, a repository mm-hmm. and also preservation, you know. And now I uh, we just had a conversation from uh, after listening to Candy Keller's uh, presentation about the, the, the fate of Malian uh, or, or, or photographs by Malian photographers. Now, can you tell us, um, yeah. can you share us uh, yeah. with us some examples of that? Yeah. That is a heartbreaking Maybe. story. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Yes, um, okay. Candice uh, Keller started a project at um, uh, Michigan State University called Archive, Archive of Malian Photography. And it is a way to preserve the archives of Malian photographers as they are and, uh, and, uh, and by uh, uh, respecting the, the, I mean, the heritage, the legacy, and the family uh, who are the inheritance of that archives. Because what happened in Mali is that, as I told you uh, previously, uh, there is a festival of photography and all uh, in Bamako for 20 years. Mm-hmm. African, uh, the name is uh, Rencontre de la Photographie Africaine, or Rencontre Africaine de la Photographie, so Bamako Encounters, which is uh, now a famous biennial, uh, still going on. Uh, last year was the 11th uh, edition. And sit, since the 90s, there is a, a kind of a, a big interest uh, in the art world for the studio photographers, vernacular photography from Africa, especially from Mali. And there are two photographers in Mali, uh, Malik Sidibe and mm-hmm. Sedou Keita, uh, who were uh, like... Uh, discovered by the, this uh, art world and were uh, exhibited everywhere, but without um, uh, uh, links with their uh, real practice and the real reason why these pictures were taken. They are totally decon- decontextualized, and there is no, I mean, nothing left from the history of this photographer that is re- really local. So. That's a real issue for us as uh, researchers. And with Candé, something Candé started this project, and I'm happy to join this project with uh, another photographer's archive. Mm. That is a very small one uh, archive because it was partly destroyed. And this is the archive of a, a photographer called uh, Felix Diallo, which uh, lived in a small city in western region in Mali. And I will talk about his archive tomorrow yes. and the history of the uh, how this archive uh, recently, it, it was last March, in March uh, 2018, how his archive came back to Kita, his hometown, uh, with an exhibition organized through the digitization of his archive with the mm. project, uh, Candace project, uh, Archive of Malian Photography. So yes. it's a project, ongoing project. And uh, I think we, as a researcher, historian, art historian, etc., we have we have a role to play, as you said, to 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 
keep the connection and not, I mean, to prevent uh, what happened with the art world and the uh, Malian studio photographers, as, such as Malik Sidibe and Seduketa. Yes, preservation. Um, yes, preservation. Uh, yes, yes. And uh, Laura, what is the situation of um, archives of American Indian um, photographs or photographers? Well, uh, some of my new work is focused on uh, uh, a collection of stereographs here at the MSG Museum. Um, and I think about those along with other collections of, you know, hundreds of photographs of Indians that are in drawers and museums and institutions and many times locked away from the communities that really can invest them with value and life. Um, <clears throat> and there's lots of, you know, research and scholarship being done to kind of reanimate these images and put names back uh, to the people and uh, bring the stories back, whether it's through books or um, publications or whether it's through uh, digitization projects uh, where mm -hmm. you can reunite the images <clears throat> and uh, entangle them, uh, maybe kind of take away some of the colonial narratives that they may be wrapped up in and reinvest them with you know, local stories, uh, local communities or indigenous communities, um, <clears throat> uh, both reanimating these images uh, and uh, preserving that knowledge attached to them. Yes, yes. Um, I'd like to ask you uh, um, a last and brief question. Uh, what advice would you give to anyone who is starting mm -hmm. to work with native or indigenous uh, photography that has not been mainstream or... Um, and especially when the photographer, the man or the woman behind the lens is not part of the mainstream. You know, what advice would you do to, to uh, would you give to anyone who is starting in the field? Laura. Um, I guess <clears throat> uh, read all the scholarship out there that has already been done and you know, to present yourself with models things that haven't worked, things that don't, that have worked, um, and then starting to build partnerships uh, and make connections with communities to work together to kind of revalue, reinvest these images uh, with meanings. Yes. Erica? Uh, very briefly, <laughs> mm -hmm. I would say keep your eyes and ears wide open and uh, your mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> and especially and most of all, be curious. Be curious, open. Uh, I mean, yes. curious. Yes. Jorge? Uh, bring a dust mask. <laughs> bring gloves. Yeah. Bring uh, ample memories. You can take many, many images while you're there, right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's like, the basic side of equipment, which is kind of what I'm pointing out. Sometimes you're in archives that are extremely dusty. Things are very hard to find in them. You know, there's, there's, there's challenges, right, to working in, in these sorts of archives. But speaking beyond the purely practical, Along the line of what of what my colleagues are saying, I think it's really important to speak to people. Yes. One of the things that really, to me yes. was most valuable in looking mm -hmm. at images was finding family members, finding mm -hmm. people who lived at the same time, um, finding really anybody who knew stuff about the images and could tell me about them. And oftentimes all it took was sitting down for a few minutes and asking questions and then maybe returning at another point um, and, well, establishing a connection to what the the living history of the image is. And all of these images have a living history somewhere. Yeah. So that, that seems to me to be a really, really important thing to do. 
Yeah, establishing the connection, it's kind of a, a, a kind of negotiation, respectful negotiation. And as I sometimes I tell my students, learn to see, you know, because there's things we see and we don't see. So um, thank you so much. I'd like to uh, conclude this uh, brief conversation. Thank you all of you today and invite um, everyone to visit our podcast page for more information about um, um, our uh, the, the work of our guests and uh, also about the, the seminar that we're putting together. And um, as usual, the ideas and opinions on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Letters, any of our sponsors, or any official entities of Michigan State University. I also want to thank our technical producer, Daniel Trego, and invite you to tune in for our next podcast. Thank you.